When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And we're going to talk about travel. We haven't done that in a while, but... People are traveling. I can't tell you how many friends I've heard from that are having trouble with passports. Their passports have expired. Everyone wants to get up and go. And there are a lot of issues. On the other hand, there are a lot of great places to go. And today, the travel guru, Pauline Fromer, who's co-president of Fromer.com, and also... The Fromer Guidebooks is going to pop in and fill us in on the good life. And Pauline, is it true that more and more people are getting ready to get up and go? We are seeing record numbers of people traveling right now. But let me also say, Joan, it's so wonderful to be speaking to you. Thank you, Pauline. I know I've missed (laughs) you. Yeah. All right. So tell me. We're just just seeing record numbers of people traveling. Uh, Where they're traveling is interesting. They're traveling to places where the dollar is strong. And where is the dollar strong? Pretty much everywhere. Uh, But to give you a couple of examples, the dollar last summer was at par with the euro. That is amazing. Amazing. So suddenly Europe is affordable. Now it's ticked up a little bit since then, but you have to remember it wasn't that long ago that it costs, that it costs nearly a dollar and a half to just get one euro. Mm. So to have the two of them at par, I mean, I was in France last summer having $3 glasses of wines and $15 dinners at very good restaurants. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, well, of course, you your passport probably hasn't expired because you go so much. But what is the story? I have friends who talk about waiting on endless lines, and even if you send away for them, it takes forever. What should someone do if they're thinking Europe or Asia or any place you need a passport? Well, if you have to get your passport renewed or if you have to get a first passport do it ASAP. Now, the State Department is saying that they are expecting 26 million people to be applying for passports this year. That's a new record. The most they ever did before that was 22 million. So not only are people hanging on lines, but the phone systems are overwhelmed. So this happened to my daughter. She didn't realize her passport had expired. She kept calling day after day 
And the, and the phone system just kept hanging up on her. Uh, she couldn't get through. So she's at Northwestern University. She went to her advisor, and the advisor said, let's go to the congressperson for uh, this part of Illinois. Uh-huh. She did that, and, and that's what, what got her her passport within five days. Well, unbelievable, right? And I've heard that from other people. It's a sad state of affairs that you have to ask for political favors <laughs> I know. to get a passport right now, but that's what it is. You know, um, we've had a couple of calls when there were these issues with kidnappings in Mexico. Now a young American journalist for the Wall Street Journal kidnapped by the Russians. I mean, there's a lot of things that we should or should not be concerned with. What do you think if you're planning a trip and it isn't next door? I hate to tell you this, Joan, but my daughter went to Mexico. That's where she was getting the passport for. Uh Uh, And she found it to be very safe. Were you You nervous? I was not at all nervous because I was looking at the numbers. Mexico this year is seeing 15% more travelers than it did in 2019. And so if there really was a problem, if there really was a crime wave that was aimed at tourists, we would be hearing more about it. These have been isolated incidents. Uh, The Russia thing has to do with, I don't know, journalistic freedoms. I mean, that's a, that's another kettle of fish. But the State Department has some excellent advice. Uh, They have a coded system which tells you to either don't go at all, that's the highest warning, Uh or reconsider travel or travel with and take some precautions. Um, For the most part, travel to most parts of the world is acceptably safe. But you should always check with the State Department, and if you're going to an iffy place, you can actually register yourself with them so that they'll ping your cell phone if, say, there's a a political march in the area that you're going to be staying in or some other kind of dangerous event. Now, usually we'll turn to you with where to go, what are the best places to travel in 2023, and even we're getting those questions as more and more people are looking at that little suitcase with envy and saying, <laughs> I got to fill it up. I want to go. So yeah. what are you looking at when it comes to good places to travel that are fairly effortless? Well, as I said before, we're looking at Europe. In fact, we put out a, a list every year. Uh, you go to fromers.com slash best places 2023, and it lists 10 places that we think are going to be particularly great to go this year. So in Europe, there's a place, Karatea Coast. It's in the region of Basilicata, and we are recommending it because it's very much like the Amalfi Coast of Italy, but much less expensive with a fraction of the crowds. So it's this beautiful seaside area where you drive along these winding cliffside roads, you eat in spectacular seafood restaurants, you duck into little towns with ancient churches filled with fabulous, uh, uh, you know, art, but you're paying a fraction of what you would for the Amalfi Coast and you're getting 
far fewer fellow visitors. And what's uh, it called? It's called the Maratea Coast of Italy. Spell. M-A-R-A-T-E-A. The Maratea Coast. Maratea. Yeah. And do well, they oh, have good hotels? Oh, lovely hotels. You're in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. could be bad? How can you miss? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a part of Italy that the Italians themselves go to because the rest of the world doesn't know about it yet, mm-hmm. but they will soon. So no, we're saying get there before it's discovered. Right. Like everyone talked Puglia, but they didn't go. Now Puglia is like so hot. It's it's hard to get in during what we call the season. Exactly. We're also saying this may be the year to go to West Africa, places like Senegal, Ghana, the Ivory Coast, the Gambia, the Cape Verde Islands. And we're saying that because for the first time ever, cruise ships are going to those ports. You're kidding. No, you can take a seaborne cruise or an Azamara journey. Now, these aren't the huge cruise ships. These are called expedition ships. Better. But right, they're smaller. But right now, they're smaller, but they're much more glamorous than they mm-hmm. used to be. Uh, you get good food, beautiful decor, um, and but they're small enough to go into these tiny yeah, ports. that's what's so important. Yeah, I mean, this is a part of the world that was incredibly difficult to visit mm-hmm. uh, until this development. Um, uh, so we're saying that's a great place to go. Uh, we're also expecting people to go to Oahu in Hawaii. We think it's a particularly good year for Oahu because they've made things both more convenient and they're also concentrating more on Hawaiian culture. During the pandemic, uh, a lot of the major sites in Oahu, uh, like Pearl Harbor, uh, like uh, Hanuma Bay and the Diamond Head Crater and the Polynesian Cultural Center, they all put in uh, systems that allow people to get timed entry. So instead of being confronted with huge lines at all these very popular and very important sites, now you can get timed entry, you can zip right in. And they're all, they've also created a lot of really interesting uh, cultural attractions for visitors. So people might take an educational tour and see the historic rock walls at one of the ancient fish ponds. Uh, or they might learn about the Hawaiian royal family. Um, or they might go to a, a ranch. Uh, in Hawaii, uh, it's not just a fun in the sun destination anymore. No, it sounds it, you're making me want to go again. Well, and well, prices you point out are pretty good. I mean, we don't usually have that. Prices are good, you know. If you travel abroad, Hawaii has gotten a little pricier. Well, that's right. Yeah, but it's still. Hawaii doesn't disappoint. It's just still one of the beautiful places. It really is. It's uh, it, you know, it's one of these places where the it looks like this is what the higher power like. intended. It's yeah, it's just idenic. No, it's true. And it took forever to get there and I remember saying this is crazy. You know, I could go to the Caribbean for half that time or whatever. 
And yet, once you get there, it's just so special. Yeah. And something that's in my head a lot. It's physically beautiful. Yes, absolutely. But if you want to go to the Caribbean, one of the places that made our list this year was the Virgin Islands. People forget, but right before the pandemic, a terrible storm hit the Virgin Islands, leveling many of the resorts there. But they were able to take the last couple of years to rebuild, and some of the resorts are now better than they were pre-pandemic. Are they busy? Are they busy? They're getting yeah, people busier. are going. People are going, and they should go, because it's, it's a better time than it's been in years because they had time off to really up their game. And so they've brought in some wonderful chefs to many of the resorts to up their food game. Uh, they've redecorated, mostly because they had to, because so many places were damaged by those hurricanes. Uh, So if you're looking for a really great Caribbean vacation, we're saying go to either the U.S. or the British Virgin Islands. Both are wonderful. That sounds really good. And to go anywhere, though, the airports have been a nightmare. And it's not just like a one weekend that gets reported. It's been a problem. What is going on? I mean, these are travel problems we shouldn't have to deal with. Well, I mean, on the plus side, a lot of the airports in the New York area that have been under construction for forever are finally ready, and they are much, much nicer. On the downside, we don't have enough air traffic controllers right now. Where are they? Well, the problem is it takes two years to train an air traffic controller, and at the height of the pandemic, all training stopped for many, many months. And so when people quit in recent years, there have not, there hasn't been the uh, uh, supply chain of, of new air traffic controllers to replace them because they simply were not being trained for a full year during the pandemic. For example, in New York State, we only have 56% of the air traffic controllers that we need. The rest of the country has 80%, and because of that, the FAA has gone to JetBlue, United, Delta, and American and asked them to cut their schedules by 10% this summer. So we don't quite know what that will mean yet, because obviously New York is a major, major destination for them. So they may end up running bigger planes or they might cut the schedule. So I've been telling anybody in the New York area, get your tickets now because prices could go up as these cuts take effect. Wow. That does not sound good. And for tourists coming to New York, hotel prices, we were, um, you ever go to Smorgasbord in Brooklyn? You know, oh, love food it. Yeah. fair on Saturday. It's great. But yeah. we were there. Last Saturday, and we sat at one of the benches. It's a great place to go. And there was a couple, a boyfriend and girlfriend, from Vienna. And they were talking about how they ended up staying in Brooklyn rather than Manhattan because of prices and how expensive everything in New York was. And I, it is expensive now. Yeah. 
I mean, part of the problem with hotels is a lot of the budget hotels in the city are now being used as homeless shelters by the city. Uh, And so for tourists, that's meant there just aren't as many budget lodgings. Plus, Airbnb is pretty much illegal here in New York City. Uh, You cannot legally rent your entire apartment out for, for less than 30 days. And the city is really starting to finally enforce that. Uh, but that's made it very hard on tourists coming to the city. Yeah, And good for some of the hotels who are jacking up prices. Well, and people say it's it's also good for the housing stock because you had a lot of people taking over apartments to simply rent them out as Airbnbs, and that was raising rent prices for average New Yorkers. All right. Well, it's all going to work out. And falling from a nose where to go and how to go. And get your bags ready because 2023 is going to be a great time to go back and enjoy the world. And it's something that was always one of the great pleasures. And now it seems back and stable. You don't hear people worried about COVID anymore, do you? No, no. In fact, we just uh, are working on our next year's guidebooks, and we've taken out all our boxes about COVID in the farmer's guides because it's just knock wood. It's not a concern now. No, I'm glad. Pauline, regards to the family. I love talking to you. We'll talk again. Wonderful. I love talking to you, too. Thank you. Thank you. You made me want to get up and go. Follow Pauline, I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. More to come. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. People are always asking me, how did I end up doing a guidebook called New York on $5 a day? And that that guidebook would sell the first time we put it out. And it was an Arthur Froma, who was a young litigator at that time. I actually got the idea of doing a New York on $5 a day guidebook after I read Arthur Fromer's self-published book, Europe, on $5 a day. And, you know, when I think back, I don't think I'd have the courage to do it today. But I found out that Arthur Fromer, a young lawyer, was at a law firm called Paul Weiss, a very famous top law firm. I was pretty nervy, as you can only be at 19 years old. And after telling Arthur Fromer, who answered the phone, about some of the mistakes I had found in his guidebook, and he didn't hang up on me, I pitched him my idea. I said, You know, look how successful Europe on $5 a day. Why don't I write New York on $5 a day? I know the city very well. I've been everywhere. I lead tours everywhere. You will do very well with the book. It's only, only a strange thing that happened. Fromer listened to the idea. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. It turns out my cousin was in the law firm with him, but we didn't know that then. Anyway, he liked the idea, and guess what? He borrowed $10,000 
to self-publish it. That was unbelievable. But actually, that's what started his very successful publishing company. And think how trusting he was that a perfect stranger, he would say, well, that sounds like a good idea. Anyway, to read now, in fact, I'm looking at one of the early copies of New York on $5 a day. To read it now is to be transported back to a time when you could spend the night at the Hotel Chelsea for $3, guys, eat a big steak dinner, including baked potato, garlic bread, and chef salad for one nineteen. ride the subway for 15 cents, and spend the afternoon browsing among the priceless art at the Metropolitan Museum of Art on Fifth Avenue for free. And if you had guests in town and you wanted to splurge, you might take the Circle Line boat tour around Manhattan Island. And you can't hold me to these prices because most of them are from memory. It was $2.50. Well, to everyone's shock, mostly mine, this little guidebook was a huge success. And one day I handed in this mishmash of a manuscript and two months later, we had sold 35, 40,000 copies. And all of a sudden, myself and my co-author, Norma Cate, we were getting booked on radio and TV shows. And during all these appearances, I was becoming the answer man in spite of myself. Now, our generation... We were pretty good at being cheap dates because most of our boyfriends didn't have a lot of money. In fact, in college, one of my roommates met a guy she really liked, but she didn't have a lot of money. And she said, you've got to help me. What can I do to get this guy? I said, well, I'm not a whiz at this, but does he like to eat? And the one thing that we all loved then was was homemade, homemade meals. Remember those days when it was a real treat? I said, I've got something really inexpensive. He'll never know. It's a foolproof recipe. Take a rotisserie chicken. Now, way back when, it was not common. Today, you can't go into any market without seeing rotisserie chickens and even turkey everywhere. But take a rotisserie chicken, cut it up, go buy yourself a can of Del Monte fruit cup, sprinkle it over the chicken with a little curry, and bake it. Now, don't forget you've mostly cooked it, so you're not going to dry it out. little curry and bake it, and call it Chicken Hawaiian. It was a big hit, and she was engaged three months later. Now... That may not happen to you. People are a little more sophisticated. But it's still no surprise that in one of the most expensive cities in the world, I got my big break by telling people how to live on $5 a day. So when I graduated, I had to get a real job. I couldn't fake recipes for rotisserie chicken. 
And I didn't have skills. Most of us didn't until we went to speed writing and shorthand school. And I was pretty terrible at it. So it was a long way before I got gainful employment. But I was happy. And I was learning a lot of skills that you wouldn't necessarily learn today because we had to do absolutely everything. And by the late 60s, I was writing advertising copy, doing theater on the side with the um, new Broadway troupe. And one day I got a call from Clay Felker, who was the famous editor of a hot new magazine called New York Magazine. Clay had read New York on $5 a day, and he said they were looking at the magazine for someone who had a real knowledge of the city and had a lot of nerve. New York in those days, the magazine, was a shoestring operation, was housed in a little townhouse, one bathroom for the entire staff. I started writing for the magazine during special issues, and that's because I took a chance, I got a break, and that's when my real life started. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. We talk about food a lot. And whenever I come into the station, food. We like to eat it. We like to talk about it. We like to talk about our family's recipes. And I always think about my mom and the kitchen she ran and the company she fed night and day. But her claim to fame when I was a little kid was that my mom was the first person in our neighborhood to have her own malted milk machine, a real one, just like the ones they had at the drugstore. Now, you guys don't usually see that. In New York City, the drugstores are selling groceries, but not lunch or dinner, or at least the ones right here in Manhattan. So if you have equipment like professional, you are big time. And because my mother's malted machine was just like the setup they used to have at the drugstores, that alone made her the queen of the five towns located in Nassau County. And I'm telling you, we would have these great big family dinners and we'd stuff ourselves and then we'd go to um, what was called the sunroom, like a den, and my mom would say, now mind you, we had could barely walk. We just got up from eating so much. My mom would say, who wants a chocolate malted? Everyone wanted one. So we disappeared in the sunroom where the tables were laden with dried fruit, fresh fruit, chocolate, cookies, everything you can think of, barely up from the table. And we could hear in the kitchen, not too far, the whirling of the malted machine began. And very soon, my mom emerged with a tray containing tall, frothy glasses of her magical concoction made from Briar's vanilla fudge ice cream and malt. 
I was the first in line. Oh, how I loved those milkshakes. And being very thin, I thought I was doing myself a big favor getting in those extra calories. And I don't know about your family, but in mine, no food was wasted. Everything was consumed. And I learned to use, I mean, leftovers, always part of the week's menus. And I got from all of them an all-purpose casserole recipe. And it put whatever leftovers we had in a casserole. We poured a can of Campbell's cream of chicken soup right in it, added a little milk, and voila, dinner was almost served. I went on their website and they had a recipe, probably much better than mine, but it was close, creamy chicken and noodles. And they used a regular can of Campbell's Convinced Cream of Chicken Soup and Mushroom Soup, whatever one you want, a half a cup of milk, an eighth of a teaspoon of black pepper, a third of a cup of Parmesan cheese, and then... I always have chicken. We were talking earlier how we buy rotisserie chickens or I make a roast chicken and I take whatever left, usually about two cups and two cups of egg noodles. And even if I have pasta or rice, I add that to it. I heat the soup, the milk, the pepper, the cheese, the chickens, the noodles in a four-quart saucepan or casserole over medium heat till it's hot and bubbling, and I sprinkle with parsley. My mom also had a grinder bolted to her kitchen counter, and she would take, because we ate a lot of meat in those days, she would take whatever roast beef or chicken or turkey or pot roast and put it in the grinder that was bolted to the chicken counter. She'd add a couple of eggs, some homemade breadcrumbs, and shape them into cakes. Oh, we loved it. We wolfed it down. And we didn't know we weren't supposed to eat all that meat, that it isn't really good for you or it could make you fat. We liked it, and we ate it. And whatever was made, that's what we ate. No one gave in to, like I gave in to, I don't eat meat. I don't eat chicken. I only eat vegetables. I mean, you should see what dinner was like at my house with all the kids and all the different things that they would or would not consume. My kids were very skinny, so weight was not a big obsession the way it later became. And there were kinder, gentler times in clothes fitting. When Donna Karen, the famous designer, released her first styles, I couldn't wait. And they fit. I was size 10, sometimes size 8. Over the, With her, over the decades, I grew and they shrunk. And to me, those size 10s and 8s are comparable to size 2s. So, of course, I ended up being a slave to the diet industry. And once I started doing restaurant reviews for the radio station, eating out three or four times a week, Dieting was an absolute, absolute necessity. And I would have a lot of friends in the food business. One of my pals was Marion Burroughs. Remember the brilliant food 
um, commentary and the food columnist for the Times, Marion Burris, we went out for dinner, and I said to Marion, I'm on a diet. So she said, well, what are you going to eat? I looked at the menu and said, I'll have the chicken. Wasn't that a rule? It was always safe. Or as Marion put it, virtuous. The chicken truly was delicious. And, of course, dieting was a pleasure with something so yummy. But after we ate, Marion called over the sous chef and said, I'd like to take Miss Hamburg into the kitchen. I want her to see for herself how the chicken is so delicious. Well, of course, we went in. And as we walked in, the chef was slathering the chicken with, as I peered over, looked like a pound of butter. So much for my diet. Marion was laughing. She knew all along fairy tales, she said. And I realized that if I had not gone to the kitchen, I would have lived in blissful denial. When I went to visit my son John in Los Angeles, I found an entirely different reality. No one eats in L.A., at least what I saw. They just don't. And the first time I went, Son took me, Son John, to the grill, a famous haunt of actors and agents. The waiter was shocked when we finished our meal. He literally said, oh, my God, you ate everything on your plate. Now, no waiter really does that. But other diners were cramming their necks to observe this exotic creature and eat her. In some circles in Manhattan, it's not that different. A favorite restaurant of media types is Michael's in Midtown. Michael's is famous for many things. It's celebrity guests and it's cop salad. But I've seen many a fashionably skeletal woman order the cop salad and say, no avocado, no bacon, no cheese, no dressing. In other words, they took the cob right out of the salad. And I think I've told you before, my pencil-thin friend Joan Rivers, who died much too young, tried to put me on her diet. It was eat anything you wanted till one in the afternoon and then eat nothing for the rest of the day. She lived like that and stayed thin. I literally couldn't do it. The only thing that ever worked for me was a Weight Watcher group that we organized at the radio station. And a lot of actors who worked in the area, we were then right near Times Square, the only thing that worked was this Weight Watcher group we organized. Actors joined. We all religiously got weighed in every week. We had guys, Mandy Patinkin, his wife, Catherine. Catherine was an actress and a writer. And when it was time to weigh in, she would strip her clothes off right down to her underwear to the horror of the group leader who said, you don't have to do that. And Catherine would reply, do you know how fat my jeans are? I always had this fantasy that if I lived to be really, really old, not old like now, but really old, I'd finally be liberated. Most old people get so thin they have to drink Boost and Ensure to keep their weight up. If this happened to me, I'd sit in a chair and stuff my face, and maybe I'd have a chocolate malted, and no one would say, you can't eat that. It has a thousand calories. The First Lady of New York Radio. 
This is Ask Joan. The nice weather makes me think of hats. When my hair looks pretty bad, I think of hats. So, with messy hair, summer around the corner, I've been checking out summer hats that are trendy, offer protection. I went to something, a digital magazine called InStyle.com. Guess what I found? The best sun hats to block UV rays and keep you on trend. I thought that was terrific. The best hat was Nordstrom's Straw Panama hat. It's classic. It comes in two colors, tan and light pink, and both colors accented with a black band that's knotted at the side. Only $39. Nordstrom's is where you go. For a value-priced straw hat, they picked the Lonzo straw hat from Amazon, $24.99. A classic floppy sun hat with a wide brim, black ribbon, it looks really good. And for a splurge hat, the Eugenia Kim bunny hat, which is a wide brim packageable sun hat with a silver crystal stone mixed band. Now, truthfully, it's expensive, so I don't know if I'd go for it. But it is great looking. It's 465 And it's back ordered at Maisonette.com. I found similar hats at a place called EugeniaKim.com with different bands. InStyle's two favorite raffia hats were the Nike Beach Versailles hat, and that keeps you cool, and it's really good-looking. It's got a good brim, and I found this at Townshop.com for $68, and InStyle liked the Florabella Tracy hat a seven-inch brim, a metal base with beads. It can be purchased at Resolve.com for $119. And if you love to hike or walk, InStyle voted the best hat to be the Columbia Bora Bora Booney. It's a nylon hat, 14 colors. Go on to Columbia.com, $30. Waterproof and for travel, they recommended the Madewell Packable Straw Fedora hat. It really looks good. And it's only $39.90 at Ostrom. So enjoy these hats. They look great. They'll protect you from the sun. And you don't have to worry about blowing out your hair. All right, everyone, I'm looking. And we're coming up to the end of the show. I'm so happy you're part of it. I'm Joan Hamburg. 